Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and feel free to use table of contents if you need help in finding it. As you're turning, I want to welcome those of you in Loudoun and Prince William and Montgomery County, as well as those of you from Arlington, people online. We invite you to join us in person in all these different places where we're gathered right now, though. It's good to be together around God's Word. I so love God's Word. I'm so thankful for how sufficient it has proven itself to be, especially these last few weeks in the life of our church. God has spoken so clearly, so unmistakably to exactly what we've been walking through. And today, I trust, will be just one more example of his love for us and his word to us. Particularly knowing that some in our church family are hurting and in need of healing. Some just in life and others in the church who have been confused by disinformation that has spread or questions that have been raised. Others who have been concerned about the church or themselves or their kids in church after having to watch someone who's not a member of our church be escorted by security out of one of our Tyson's gatherings last week. And I just want to pause at that point and praise God for the men and women who serve on our security teams at all of our locations. (laughs) Serve week after week after week, led by Lucius Thompson, who always always, always carries himself with class and Christ-likeness in everything he does. I am so proud to serve alongside him, these brothers and sisters, and most of us are grieved by seeing our church in the news this last week in ways that are not what we want to be known for in our city All these things were heavy on our hearts as elders as we gathered together this week, including the three new elders who you affirmed last Sunday, and we resolved together to shepherd our church family well from this point, to guard and protect you from further disinformation and disruption, and to work with pastors and staff, leaders across this church to move forward together in caring well for each other and reaching this city with the gospel. It's time to turn the page. And toward that end, we've set up our place, so follow this. I just want to make sure you're aware on our website for concise answers to common questions or concerns that we hear from church members. I've said many times over the last week, we certainly have nothing to hide. So starting today, after our worship gatherings, you can go to mclanebible.org slash elder updates, where you can see answers to common questions, and we'll update, add to those questions over the days and weeks ahead, as is helpful, so keep checking back. And we also have a place on that site where we are asking you, if you're a member of the church and you have further questions you'd like to talk about, we want to hear from you. Please reach out to us. And one of our elders or pastors or staff 
leaders will work to meet with you. We've talked about, we've considered larger forums to address questions or concerns, but we found, especially during these days, that nothing can replace sitting across the table and talking with and praying with each other. I think about meetings over the last couple of weeks where people have sat down for 30 minutes, an hour, sometimes more, and they come away with clarity and understanding and love in ways that a quick question in a larger group meeting could never accomplish. So if you have questions, please go to that website as a starting point, and if it would be helpful after that, reach out to us. We'll set up conversations in good, biblical, constructive ways. Like we saw in 1 Corinthians 13 last week, we believe God is calling us to care for one another in personally loving ways, patient, kind ways, not through accusations or attacks online or through social media or news outlets. And that's been tested this last week. As the Washington Post called me and wanted to comment on this or that, and I knew that if, if my aim was to win a PR battle, then I would need to call out this or defend myself in light of that. But before God, I don't believe my job is to win PR battles. I just preached a sermon last week straight from God's word where we saw we're not gonna engage in going online back and forth. And I know it's not my job to defend myself. Jesus is my judge. So I I said to the post, I said to the post, I have a hurting church that I'm trying to shepherd, so beyond what I've preached from God's word that's already out in public, here's one quote you can use from me. You said, we're walking through tumultuous days in our world, and we want more than anything to love God, love each other, and love a world around us in need. And that's what I want to call us to today in a fresh way in this local church and in the broader church in our day. I've had so many pastors reach out to me this last week from big and small churches saying they're walking through similar challenges. I want to show you what God is saying to us amidst tumultuous days in our world. Today, I want to show you how God is calling us in these days to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love each other in the church and to love the world around us as ourselves, starting right here in the city where we live. So could I draw your attention to a different Washington Post article from this last week? one that's far more important than others that have gotten attention over the next few minutes. I actually want to draw your attention to a variety of things that happened this last week that have not gotten a lot of attention, if any attention at all, that need to get our attention. So here's one of them. Did you pay attention to this headline from the Washington Post this last week? Thousands of bullets have been fired in this D.C. neighborhood. Fear is part of everyday life. That article talks about over 40,000 bullet casings recovered in the district over the last couple of years alone, including a high percentage of them in a one square mile area in Southeast DC. That article 
recounts the fatal shooting of a six-year-old girl last week. It describes homicides at a 16-year high in the district. And it quotes community leaders saying, we're tired of praying over people in caskets. This is the city where we live, where God has placed us. And if we as a church are gonna be known for anything in the city, we wanna be known for sharing God's love amidst needs in our city. We are not about to undo what we have worked so hard, especially over this last year to do. Thousands of you giving millions of dollars and thousands of hours providing food to communities in need in the middle of a pandemic, sharing the good news of the gospel with everybody we can, including over a thousand boxes for community in need this last week. That's the kind of love we wanna be known for. And not just in the city, but in this church, in each other's lives. I think about one family in our church where a precious wife and her teenage kids stood over the casket of their dad this week. This is a hard world. And we want to love one another well in it. I think about one man visiting here last Sunday from Iran. And after we walked through 1 Corinthians 13, he walked in the lobby, found somebody and said, I don't think love like that exists in this world. And I want us to make clear, yes, it does. So let's hear then, so in light of all that, let's hear God's word to us today. What are the first words coming out of the chute from God to you and me in this gathering right now? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love. Straight from God. Pursue love. And what's love? Well, last week we saw what that word means as we memorized 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 together. You want to try and see who still has it? How many of you think you still got it? There's like a few hands here at Tyson's. I'm, I'm trusting in other locations. All your hands are like sky high right now. So come on, let, let's do it. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put it on the screen. You know, for those of you who weren't here last week, um, but if you were here last week, let me challenge you, like close your eyes as we walk through this. Just close your eyes, keep them closed as long as you possibly can. Just try not to resist the urge to squint and, and just try to see how far you can get. Uh, but if you weren't here last week or you, just, <laughs> you know you don't have it, feel free to read along out loud. But this is how God describes love. Let's say it all together. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Boom, some of you got it. Well done. I can't really tell if you actually got it, but I'm trusting. Some of you, your eyes were closed, but love like that never ends, God says. 
So pursue that kind of love. Like pursue it. Work for it. That kind of love is not natural. It's supernatural. Doesn't come naturally to us. We got to work to love like that. So run after that kind of love with everything you have. Because love like that is critical to your life. I want you to think about this with me. What did Jesus say the two greatest, most important commandments are? Remember Matthew 22, 37, he's asked, what's, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Everything hinges, Jesus says. Your life hinges on obeying these two commandments. So if this is true, and it is because Jesus said it, then think about this with me. What is the one thing in your life, in our lives, that Satan will attack more than anything else? It's love, right? If this is what God desires most, then this is what Satan will attack most. Satan will attack your love for God and your love for others more than anything else in this world. And mark it down. Christian love is the biggest threat to Satan's kingdom. Which is why we should not be surprised when he attacks it so hard. And this is the first and primary word God is speaking to all of us right now. Pursue love. Hear these two words straight from God. He's telling you. I'm just relaying his word directly. Right now to you, right where you are sitting let it land on your heart and your mind. Pursue love. That's what God is saying to you today. Pursue love for God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Satan does not want you to live this week with love for God. He wants you to forget about God this week. He wants you to be apathetic toward God this week. Satan does not want you to spend time alone with God in prayer, in his word. Satan does not want you to trust God amidst whatever you are walking through in your life. Satan wants your love for God to grow cold. He's working this week toward that end. And God is saying, pursue love. Cultivate, work for, love for God and for others. And others is all inclusive here. Just think about all the different dimensions here. Pursue love for your spouse this coming week. You want to know something else from this last week? After Ken and Judy Tucker shared their story last week about how God saved their lives from nominal Christianity and their marriage from separation on the brink of divorce. 
all kinds of couples were immediately convicted and started making changes in their marriages. Many, many couples have asked over the last week to join re-engage, saying we're in trouble and we need some help. Praise God, what the, what the adversary intended for evil and bringing about accusations and rumors about Ken and Judy, God intended for good to bring about saving of marriages. And if that's you, so if that's you, husband or wife, who saying, how can I be a part of re-engage? I want to commend you because you're doing this. You're pursuing love. And there are other husbands and wives who need to do the same. It's time today to decide to pursue love. For every husband and wife, God is calling you right now to pursue love for your spouse this week. So how are you going to do that? Like specifically, what action actions are you going to take this week to pursue love for your wife or your husband? And keep going. Parents, pursue love for your kids. Kids, teenagers, pursue love for your parents. That's what God is telling you to do today. What does that need to look like in your life this week? And then look beyond our physical families to our church family. Pursue love for each other. I think about one group in our church family who saw my kids disturbed by what they witnessed last week in this gathering at 9 a.m. And this group wrote individual cards to my kids telling them how much they are loved in this church. I cannot express in words how much that meant to me. And I could list a variety of other ways and people who have ministered to me and my family who I've seen minister to others this last week in special ways. This is what we do for each other. So whose kids can you encourage this week? What marriage or family can you encourage this week? What single brother or sister can you encourage this week? How can you go out of your way this week to love others, pursue love as a church family this week? God is telling us, pursue love, pursue love, pursue love. This is what my people do. Which then leads us right into the second thing God is saying to us. And in order to show it to you, I'm gonna read 26 verses to you. And no, we are not going to try to memorize them. And actually, as we read these 26 verses, you're going to see both of the other things that God is saying to us today. But let me set the stage before I read them. So as we read 1 Corinthians 14, we are in the middle of a conversation about spiritual gifts that started back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We saw this a couple weeks ago. And it's continuing here with a discussion of two particular spiritual gifts. The gift of speaking words of prophecy and the gift of speaking in tongues. Now, here's the deal. As soon as I even mention those two spiritual gifts, all kinds of questions may come into your mind. What does prophecy mean? What does it mean to speak in tongues? Do people even have these spiritual gifts today? And I'll just go ahead and put out there that different Christians informed by the Bible have different thoughts and perspectives on answers to those questions. And unfortunately, we're not going to have time today to explore all those different thoughts and perspectives. Not because those questions are unimportant. On the contrary, they're really important. They're in God's word. 
But knowing that we don't have time to explore those questions exhaustively, I do want to make sure that we don't miss the overall point behind what God is saying to us in this specific discussion of prophecy and tongues. So picture it this way. Picture specific details and questions about prophecy and tongues like trees. And there's a lot of them in this text. And it's important to look at each of those individual trees. But it's also important to step back and look at the overall forest to see the beautiful big picture of what God is telling his people in a way that's larger than just prophecy and tongues. And that's what I want to show you today, the beauty of this forest. And on another day, we'll look at the intricacies of those individual trees. So as I read these 26 verses, here's what I want you to do. Look intentionally for the big picture that God is telling his people to prioritize in this part of his word. And I'll give you a hint. As I read these verses, look for a word or a phrase beyond prophecy and tongues that keeps coming up over and over and over again. Whenever we see God repeating something in his word, we're getting a clue into the point of the Holy Spirit in a passage that we need to make sure not to miss. So with that stage set, let's hear God's word starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse one. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if you're, with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many languages, but many, many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone say in the position of an outsider, anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. 
I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign, not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So did you notice God's repetition of a particular phrase? Seven different times, God tells us in the passage to do what in the church? To build up the church. You might circle them in your Bibles if you want to. Verse three, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. That's the first time we see upbuilding. Then verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. That's what we're focused on doing. So the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Verse 12, so with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit in your life, strive to excel in this, in building up the church. Verse 17, for you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. And that's the problem. Verse 26, the last verse, when you come together, each has hymn, lesson, revelation, tongue, interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Do you see the big picture here? Yes, this is a discussion of spiritual gifts, of prophecy and tongues, and that's important. But the big picture is arguably even more important. This is God saying to his people then and to us as his people in this gathering today, prioritize that which most builds up the church. Prioritize that which most builds up the body of Christ. When you look back at this passage, you don't even have to understand the details of prophecy and tongues to see why God is telling his people to prioritize prophecy over tongues. Listen to the language of priority. Going back to verse two, one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. No one understands him. He utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, so here's the comparison. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding. And the point is, that's what you need to prioritize. That's what builds up the church most. 
Next verse, in verse four, the one who speaks in the tongue builds up himself. But, so here's comparison, the one who prophesies builds up the church, which is why that is more important because it's building up the church. Sure, verse five says, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more, that's language of comparison. Even more than that, priority. Prophesy. Why? Because the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that, here's the why, the church may be built up. Prioritize that which builds up the church, the language. Strive to excel in this right here, building up the church and instructing others. God is saying very clearly, prioritize that which builds up, encourages, consoles, instructs, in the church. Prioritize this as you pursue love. This is what God is saying to us right now. He's telling us in our lives to prioritize encouraging, consoling, and building up one another. So far before this last month, as we've looked ahead to the next chapter of our church family, as we've been looking forward to a full-scale relaunch this fall, coming out of this last year and a half, we have said we have a lot of work to do. Much has been made about percentages of a vote in our church over the last couple weeks, but I want to remind you of percentages that should be far more front and center in our minds that we've talked about before. How a few years ago, before COVID, we did that survey on a Sunday morning and found that only 11% of people sitting here on a Sunday morning, felt known at NBC. 11%, one out of 10 people. In this large church, how 43% of people, almost half, said they were either growing a little spiritually or not at all. And 62% of people, almost two-thirds, said that they hardly ever, if ever, share the gospel with someone else. This is the reason why we are gearing up this fall so that every single member of NBC, we want to help be in a group where you are known and cared for like family, where you're growing together in Christ and where you're making disciples, participating on mission with God wherever you live. Not one child of God intended to be a spectator on the sidelines of the Great Commission. We want every member to be a part of a group that loves and looks like the church should love and look like right around you. That's why we're calling them church groups. Surrounded by classes and communities of different kinds. It's not that everything else goes away, but we are saying we are going to prioritize the upbuilding of every single member of this church. This is what God is calling us to do together for the sake of each other's faith and encouragement and consolation and edification and for the sake of people around us who don't know the love of Jesus. So did you hear the other big picture emphasis in these 26 verses? In this discussion of prophecy and tongues, building up the church was not the only priority. We got the first hint at this in verse 16. When the Bible says otherwise, if you get thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider 
an outsider, someone outside the church, say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying. You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person's not being built up. So we see this outsider language. Then you get down to verse 22, and you read, thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? Keep going. If all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. And do you see the forest here? Without examining every tree, I trust it's obvious that a even apart from going into details about prophecy in tongues, God is clearly saying, I want my church to operate in such a way that when unbelievers, outsiders enter in and they, they enter in, they see what is happening among you, that they will be led to fall on their face and worship God. In other words, God is saying, Prioritize that which most builds up the church and at the same time prioritize that which best leads people to Jesus. Operate as a church in such a way that people outside the church are drawn to worship God. If you are visiting with us today, I want to be clear. This is our hope, our prayer for you today. We hope and have prayed specifically for you, even if we don't know you by name. We've prayed that in this gathering, as we sing and we pray and we open God's word, we are praying that God would open your eyes to who he is and how much he loves you. The central message of the Bible is that we have all been created, formed, fashioned, made by God, Yet we have all sinned against God. We've turned aside from God in his ways to ourselves in our own ways. And our sin separates us from God. And if we die in this state of separation from God, we will spend eternity in judgment for our sin before God. But the good news of the Bible is that God has not left us alone in this state of separation. God has come to us in the person of Jesus. And Jesus has done what none of us could ever do. He's lived a life. We couldn't live a life of total obedience to God. And then even though he had no sin for which to die, he chose to die on a cross to pay the price for sins and then to rise from the dead in victory over the grave so that anyone, anywhere, including you, no matter who you are, what you've done, anyone who turns from their sin and trusts in Jesus as Savior and Lord of their lives will be forgiven of all their sin against God and restored to relationship with him to have eternal life with him forever, Amen. starting now. Like, this is what we pray you will see today, knowing especially not one of us is guaranteed tomorrow. We urge you to trust in Jesus as your life today. We invite you to worship God as your life for his love for you today. Now, even as I say that, and you're in the church, though, you might be thinking, wait a minute. 
You're using language of priority here. Isn't the whole point of prioritizing? And that's saying one thing is more important than the other. So which is it? Do we prioritize that which most builds up the church? Or do we prioritize that which best leads people to Jesus? And this is where I want you to see the beauty of what God is telling us here. These two priorities do not compete with each other. They complement each other. They go together. In other words, when you are building up the church, loving each other well in the church, you will lead people to Jesus. They go together. We have seen example after example of this in our Bible reading in the book of Acts this last week. Maybe most clear in a verse we read in Acts 9 just a couple of days ago. Let me show it to you. Acts 9.31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. There it is, that phrase again, being built up. They were building each other up throughout the church. And look at the result. Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Yes. As they built each other up, they multiplied and led more and more people to Jesus. Like, yes, yes, yes. Isn't that what we want? Every follower of Christ, don't we want to be a part of this? Like, peace built up, people coming to know Jesus? Sign me up. It's what God has designed for us. Like, I read that verse this week and just stopped and prayed it over and over and over again like, over us. God, may NBC have peace and be built up. May this be a place of people of peace and upbuilding of one another and a place where we walk together in fear of you, in the comfort of your Holy Spirit, and God, may we multiply. May we lead more and more people to life in you. God, may it be so. And as we've talked about the next chapter of NBC, we've talked about not just every member making disciples in and through church groups, but we've talked about multiplying across the city, like lost in all sorts of disinformation about church planning over recent years has been the retooling and re-envisioning we've been working on for the future of church planning at NBC. As we've described the next chapter of NBC, we've de- declared a new resolve to multiply, strengthening our current locations, including building out our Arlington location, what's happening as we speak, starting new locations, Lord willing, planting altogether new churches as a church, partnering together with other churches in Metro DC. It's not just about us. We want to reach more and more people with the gospel. I was praying through Acts 11 yesterday. And listen to this phrase. It says it twice, Acts chapter 11, First in verse 19, the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So it was a great number. A report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas in Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. He exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Great many, great number, great many people. And I just started praying those verses over us. God, may it be so. God, help us to refocus our sights on seeing a great number of people believing, turning to the Lord. God, refocus our sights on a great many people being added to you. God, help us to prioritize that which best leads people to Jesus. And be encouraged, it's happening. 
hundreds of people have come to faith in Christ through local outreach. We have over 60 people lined up to be baptized here at Tyson's alone over the next few weeks. Let's prioritize that which leads people to Jesus in our city and around the world. You want to know some more news? I'm loving the amens, by the way. That's totally biblical if you didn't catch it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So whenever you shout that out, just know I'm just being obedient. Like that's, that's being, yeah. So anyway, keep, keep them coming. Uh, boom. Okay. So uh, let me tell you something else that happened this last week that's infinitely more important than what's been in the spotlight. So we got an email from one of our global outreach partners this week. Now, follow this because some people mistakenly think that missions and passion for getting the gospel to the nations is a new emphasis at NBC when it is not. One of the five founding families in this church was Will and Mary Roundy. Three years after they founded NBC, they were sent out from NBC with their kids as missionaries to remote tribes in South America. One of their kids was named Liz. And she grew up, married Maurice. And they followed in the footsteps of Liz's parents and became missionaries. So this little girl who grew up in NBC for a couple years with her family who founded this church, then went overseas with her family and then followed in their footsteps, has now been serving for decades with her husband among remote tribes, specifically working to translate the Bible for the first time into the language of these tribes. And in light of our support for them, they sent us an email this last week. And I want you to read what it says. They wrote, today is a very special day. Praise the Lord, we just finished the rough draft for the whole book of Psalms. Now that's worth celebrating. Our church, through these partners, whose family was originally sent out from our church together with them, just finished translating the book of Psalms into a remote tribe's language for the first time in their history, God is saying, prioritize that. Prioritize that, church, for the sake of people who don't even have my word in their language yet. Prioritize that. Oh, church. We've been through a lot, and there is need for healing, yet there is also reason for hope. We're a unique family from over 100 different countries, spread out in different locations across the capital of our country, surrounded by urgent needs in our lives, marriages, families, in this city, and in the world. And we have an unprecedented opportunity together to experience the goodness of God and exalt the glory of God. So let's do exactly what God is so clearly calling us to do at this time and this place during these days. Let's pursue love. Let's prioritize that which most builds each other up. And let's prioritize together 
that which best leads more and more people to Jesus. And as we do, may it be said that more and more people will fall on their faces and worship the God who can give what he alone, what they need most and he alone can provide. Like this, is, this is who we are as the church. And so with that end in mind, I want to invite our three new elders and their wives to join me up here on stage along with other elders and pastors and leaders in our church. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna gather around them and pray for them, particularly in light of what we've just heard from God. And we're gonna ask God for wisdom for them and for all of us to follow Jesus together into this next chapter of NBC. With our eyes fixed on Jesus, our hands gripped around his word and our hearts set on loving him with everything we have and loving each other and loving a world around us as ourselves. So Ken Tucker and Jim Burris and Chuck Hollingsworth, will you guys step forward here and your wives behind you and a few brothers would kneel here and I'm gonna ask some of our other pastors our other elders, pastors, and some leaders in our church family, they're gonna gather around them. And here's, here's what we're gonna do. I've asked Carol and Holly, Carol Schreiber, who's taught the word here faithfully for so many years, and then Holly from Arlington, are gonna lead us in prayer over these brothers. And as they do, I, I wanna invite you here in this room and other locations as we're all praying at the same time to the extent with which what they're praying and then what I pray after they've prayed, to the extent with which your heart resonates with that, I just wanna give you freedom to say amen, amen, amen. Just means let it be. So let's pray together. When we pray like this, just work to avoid letting your mind drift and all kinds of other stuff. Like we are one person expressing our hearts before God. And so just amen, amen, as they pray different things over these brothers. And before God, let's say in a fresh way today, as a church family moving forward on mission, we want to follow you. We want to love you with everything we have. We want to love others as ourselves. So Carol, would you start us? And then Holly, and then I'll close us. Heavenly Father, it is indeed my privilege to come before you today in this body of believers, the church, the temple of God, which you are the cornerstone, the great foundation, to come before you, Lord, to lift up these three godly men who have you have called for this purpose. As I thought and reflected, Lord, on the high qualifications of, um, of elders in a church, they're so different than that of the world to be self-controlled, not lovers of money, to be sober-minded, to um, pursue goodness, and to be humble, and to be have called, have to aspire to this office, uh, which is really, um, to me, amazing in this tumultuous time, Lord. It is so clear that this is on their heart to serve this body of believers at this time and in this season. And so, Lord, I lift them each up to you, during this time, during this season here at this church, Lord. Help them seek your wisdom, wisdom from on high, 
We ask that you um, help them to pursue knowledge, Lord, to help them continue to teach what is true and it is right and it's only from your word, to help them to pursue oneness and unity as our Lord and Savior himself prayed, Lord, right before he went to, um, um, to the cross. Lord God, and as we learn today, help them to build up this church. I was just thinking moments ago about the shepherds of Israel who, through the prophet Ezekiel, were admonished for not feeding the church. And what a high, the body, um, the flock of God at that time. But we have a great high shepherd and we have these elders who have been called to shepherd this flock at this time. Help them to do it with Christ-like love and joy. I also pray, Lord, for their families, Lord. Help them to persevere. Help them to uh, be encouragers. And um, during this time, help them to uh, be one um, as uh, they pursue um, and persevere for the task that God has called these men for for this time and in this season. And so I lift them all up to you, and I just pray that those qualifications that um, have been affirmed in their lives, that they will continue to live out, live out holiness, live out humility, live out um, goodness, Lord, pursue love, and help them to build up this church body. I thank you that we've been given the opportunity um, to uh, be part of this body under their leadership and the rest of the elders. And I lift up these things in your son's precious name. Heavenly Father, you are an awesome and mighty God. We exalt your name on high. For you alone, Lord, are holy, holy, holy. We praise you, Jesus, for your finished work on the cross. We praise you for your work in and through this church. We praise you for your affirmation of these elders and their role in this church body. We are grateful for each one that they've stepped forward and said, here am I to use their gifts to serve you, Lord. We are grateful for the ways their lives testify to your love and your grace. What an honor it is to know you, Father God, and to serve you, Lord Jesus. Your word tells us that in your presence, there's fullness of joy. We echo that truth and we celebrate with joy their answer to your call in their lives. Lord God, you show us time and time again that you can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine according to your power at work within us. We pray this over each elder in their lives, in their homes, their families, and in their ministry. We pray their lives will continue to be a testament to your power at work in a world that so desperately needs to know your holy and precious name. Use your servants in a mighty way for your glory. May their thoughts, words, and actions be opportunities for your face to shine upon this church body, the DMV, and in turn, all nations. Move mountains like only you can, Jesus. Strengthen and protect them. Uphold them with your righteous right hand, Lord God. May we continually lift up in prayer these elders, their families, our leadership, and this church as you, Lord God, reveal your good and perfect plans in your perfect timing. We adore you, King Jesus. We lay all of this at your holy and precious feet. To you, our victorious King, be all the praise, honor, 
glory and power forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God, we are so thankful to call you our Father and to be sons and daughters in your family. We, we know not one of us deserves to be in your family. These men don't deserve to be where they are. I don't deserve to be where I am. Like none of us. The only reason we are here is because of your mercy, not because of our merit. So we praise you for your grace, your love for all of us, for these three brothers. God, thank you for saving them from themselves saving them from their sins for calling them to yourself and for all the steps you have ordained to bring them to this point God for the wives you've given them children, grandchildren you've entrusted to them Lord help them to be faithful in their homes and in every facet of their lives Lord Jesus we we look to you as the chief shepherd of McLean Bible Church. You are our Lord. You are our leader. You are perfect. We are not. These men are not. I'm not. We're so thankful that you are, that you hold this church in your hands, that you will build your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We praise you as the Lord of this church, and so as we pray for these brothers, we pray that you would keep their eyes fixed on you. Help them to become more and more like you. Conform them more and more into your image, we pray. May you become greater, may they become less. Be their wisdom, be their strength, be their guide. Jesus, we want you, we need you to lead us into the days ahead. So keep these brothers' eyes fixed on you. Help them to grow in ever-deepening intimacy with you. God, we pray they would experience deeper intimacy with you than they've ever experienced before in the days, months, years ahead. Keep them close to you. Guard them from the adversary's every attempt to pull them away from their first love, from love for you, from love for the church, from love for the lost. And God, we pray that as you lead them, as you lead the leaders of this church, as you lead us in this church, that the name of Jesus would be exalted in McLean Bible Church. God, may the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, may your name be exalted. May more and more and more people come to know your love, your majesty, your grace, your mercy in the cross. God, we pray over McLean Bible Church, may we grow in peace and in building up one another. May we walk in the fear of you and the comfort of your Holy Spirit and may we multiply. May disciples be made and churches be multiplied here in this city and around the world. May people have your word in their language for the first time. May praises to your name be sung throughout Washington, D.C., among all the nations because of your grace in and through our church. God, help us, we pray. We commit these elders to you toward that end. And we pray all of these things together in Jesus' name and all God's children said together. Amen. Amen.